minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year and welcome into the first episode of the Mass and All Access podcast presented by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places. The first episode of the 2023 year. Hope everyone enjoyed their holiday season and are feeling refreshed and ready to go for the brand new year. Amy, how was your holidays uh, over the past couple of weeks? It was good. They kind of went too quick. Yeah, um, always because, did. Yeah, so we went down, my family <coughs> went down to uh, see Maryland in the bowl game, mm-hmm. the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, which was really fun. But yeah. I feel like we left right after Christmas. I was down there, and now we're back. Yeah. But it was good. How was your holidays? Were you in Deep Creek? I was in Deep Creek, yeah. I went out. To, we did uh, Deep Creek uh, for New Year's uh, this past weekend, which was nice. I've only been out there a handful of times, but uh, went with a couple of friends, big house, a lot of kids. All of our okay. friends have, like, small kids. I think there was seven children all under the age of four. Um, so that was hectic, but fun. It was probably um, kind of warm, yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty warm. We were able to sit out by a fire most of the day on Saturday, on New Year's Eve day, uh-huh. um, and then got inside for like the college football playoff and the countdown and everything. But, um, yeah, no, it was, we, ne- I really don't like New Year's. So I, that's like my ideal New Year's, like do nothing and, you know, be in comfy clothes all day and, yeah, and s- just kind of do your own thing instead of going out and being a whole hoobla. Yeah. We came back from Charlotte. It's like the most overrated night of the whole year. That yeah. and Halloween people yeah, get peeked out on Halloween. Not a fan. Totally with you. Um, but we drove back from Charlotte on New Year's Eve and then I just sat at home with my parents, but I was like, this isn't this too is bad. Fine, yeah. Like what else am I going to be doing? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, welcome into our first episode. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings with you from our web studio. Um, of course, hopefully you're tuning in live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel every Wednesday throughout the off season at one o'clock in the afternoon, or you're listening to us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, the Nationals granted us an early uh, New Year's wish, I guess, uh, in terms of <laughs> making a roster move the other day. Uh, we have some things to talk about because if you're going back a couple of weeks, like right after we signed off for the before the holiday break. Uh, the Nationals did claim Jeter Downs from the Red mm-hmm. Sox. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Dominic Smith signing yesterday to a one-year deal, $2 million, as confirmed by our Mark Zuckerman. But over the weekend, there's some just new, some house-cleaning news that uh, Steve Shishek announced his retirement, um, age 36, 13 major league seasons, of course, the last year, this year with the Nationals. So we wish Steve a happy retirement. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. He has mm-hmm. really strong good pitching coach vibes to me. Right. Oh, for sure. They said, you know, even though he struggled uh, in his time with the Nationals, he was a big veteran presence, especially for those young guys. They would go to him um, all the time for advice and things like that. So I could definitely see that. A really great career for Steve Ciszek, 13 MLB seasons. Um, For some of those, he was one of the most dominant relievers in the game. Uh, Of course, he struggled with the Nationals a little bit and fell off, but a, a, a good career and congrats to Steve. And over 737 Appearances in the major leagues, he finished with a 298 ERA and 133 saves. So congratulations to a very strong career mm-hmm. to Steve Ciszek and um, best in whatever you try decide to do next. And yeah, you, I, I, I think of the leadership you mentioned in the clubhouse too. I always also think of St- Steve Ciszek, no matter how the team was doing, how he was doing personally, or where they were, the couple times I made road trips, he always had time for fans, it seemed like, and young fans. Um I feel like he just is that kind of guy that likes to interact with the fans, 
you know, always had time to sign autographs, chat for a little bit. I, pitchers, especially relief pitchers, have a lot more free time, I think, in, in you know, batting practice and warm up than like position player stuff. So he was able to do that. But every time I saw every, like, especially the road trips, there were a couple of Nats fans in the stands. He would stand by the dugout steps and chat for a little bit and then, uh, you know, head on in before the game started. So he just has that kind of personality, that, that kind of coaching right. mentality, I feel like, that uh, will lead to a good coaching career. If you decide to do that, you know, he might be just done. But Right. And that's not, you know, always easy to do. Steve had some rough outings. Right. I mean, he was, it's not like he was just getting hit around. Like, he was hitting an insane amount of batters, giving up home runs. Yeah. You know, so you, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to be that kind of guy, uh, that kind of veteran presence when you're, you know, going out there and you have outings like that. But yeah. But congratulations on another 13-year career and uh, best of luck to you and your family moving forward. All right, let's move on to the guys that are currently on the roster. And, and Amy, we might have now a completed roster, or at least the bare bones of the Nationals roster going into 2023. The Nationals agree, reportedly agree to a one-year, $2 million deal with first baseman slash outfielder Dominic Smith. Of course, you might recognize him from his time with the Mets, a former first-round pick. He can also earn up to $2 more million in incentives over this deal. He figures to slot in at first base, keeping Jamie Candelario at third and possibly bumping uh, Joey Manessis to the corner outfield spot or DH, however Dave Martinez wants to play it. But I think this is a smart signing for the Nationals, and it fills a need because he's also a left-handed bat. Right. I think that was on one of our wish lists, uh, our last podcast episode, that they wanted to go out and get a left-handed bat. Davey Martinez uh, was very open that that's, that's what he wanted. They wanted to go out and get a left-handed bat, and they did that. And I like it. It's cheap. $2 million, a one-year deal. If he has a bounce-back season, he could be a part of you know the future Nationals if you can trade him. You know, I like this deal. Um, he split his games pretty evenly between first base and left field, 187 in first base, 182 in left field. Much better at first base, minus three defensive runs saved at first compared to minus 11 in left field. Um, I wasn't playing first base with the Mets because they have a guy named Pete Alonzo. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's pretty good. Yep. Um, so he kind of got bumped to left field. Then they signed Mark Hanna. He kind of got bumped into the DH uh, backup first base spot. So I think you're going to see him in that backup first base role uh, with the Nationals because I think Joey Manessis is going to be the, the everyday first baseman, as least that's as far as it looks right now, and in that DH spot. Possibly. Also battling J.D. Davis with some playing time as well in those spots with the Mets you know he was like I said he was a a former first round pick number 11 overall by the Mets back in 2013 Um, he was once a a top 100 prospect uh, for a couple of years leading after that leading up to his major league debut so he he has been highly touted and he's had some strong seasons Um, he received MVP votes back in 2020 now I know a shortened season, only 60 games, but he did hit 316 with 10 home runs with 42 RBIs with a 993 OPS. So a strong campaign over 50 games right there by Dominic Smith. Um, that's not going to be the norm, right? I mean, he's a career 246 hitter, an OPS of 733, um, has only only hit one home run in 58 games last year with the Mets. So that's probably you know, your your ceiling with Dominic Smith right. and your absolute basement. And if you find somewhere in between, I'm looking at like his 2019 season where he hit 282, um, 11 homers, 25 RBIs over 89 games. If that's the kind of the output you're getting from Dominic Smith this year, um, I think you'll Nationals will take that. And then you know, 89 games, like you kind of said, every player the Nationals have acquired this offseason, especially on a major league deal. We're, we're adding the caveat that, like, you know, if they have a strong first half of the season, maybe they're a trade ship. Now, Dominic Smith 
has the potential to be a power left-handed bat. Right. Now, I'm not saying that that's the expectation. I'm not saying he's going to go out and hit 20 homers in the first half of the season and, you know, be worthy of getting the Nationals back some top prospects in a trade deadline deal. But that's best-case scenario. I don't think it's likely, just given his overall track record. No home runs in 2022. No home. Yeah, sorry, you're right. I yeah. was looking at the triples. Um, and his max being 11. But never say never, I guess. That potential is still there, and it may be just a matter of him unlocking. Right. I mean, you're hoping you get him on a bounce-back year. That's why you got him right. for $2 million with you know the potential to earn another $2 million in incentives. But he did hit 194 in 2022 with a 560 OPS. He got optioned down to AAA in June, came back up, hurt his ankle, missed more time. So 2022 was a rough year mm -hmm. for him. But if you look at, you know, more of the average in, in his previous seasons, I think that's what you're hoping to get. And that's why you got him for, for the price that you did. Uh, one of his biggest issues is that, yeah, he strikes out less and less every year, but he's been pulling the ball or striking out more and more every year, but he's been pulling the ball less every year. It seems to be his biggest issue. So hopefully you can kind of correct that, get closer to his career high 44 pool percentage in 2020, his best season uh, when he finished 13 in M MVP votes. Um, and that's what you're kind of hoping to get. Maybe the band shift, he can right. correct that. will will help Dom Smith. Yeah. As a left-handed bat with the band shift, that will help mm -hmm. possibly go more towards right field um you, know, you look at this roster and you mentioned his defensive stats and that probably slots him in at first base keeps candelario at third the infield will then shape out with cj abrams at short luis garcia at second and then you're looking at possibly joey manessis being the dh mm -hmm. um and then alex call stone garrett in left field robles in center lane thomas in right some combination of that i mean it's not i popping right it's not gonna be it's not a you know murderer's row out there but that's probably <laughs> we're getting closer to filling out this lineup right and that's that's probably gonna be your opening day lineup unless somehow joy manessis just like plays way better in left field in spring training than we anticipate and they figure out how to do dh another yeah, way i mean this kind of does you know bring up the question are they going to go after a left fielder to spill that fill that spot or are you going to bump Joey Manessis out there because as it stands right now they just have Stone Garrett and Alex Call as those left field options unless yeah. you're considering playing Dom Smith in left field which I don't think is the case so right. maybe they'll go still go after another left fielder it'll be the same type of guy the same type of signing low risk with the potential for a high reward yeah uh I don't know this is not like the the sexiest signing, right? It's not going to be, it's not, you're not going to see it be a top of MLB network. Um, it's not gonna be the headline news of the day, but you know, I, I, I guess some fans might find it like frustrating that the nationals aren't adding more play. And we know like the whole ownership situation still hovers over this. So there's that caveat as well. But you know, other Fans might be asking, well, why didn't you go after guys like a uh, David Peralta, an Andrew McCutcheon, a Trey Mancini? Even Trey Mancini yep. Yeah, Trey Mancini was, of course, mentioned over the weekend, I believe, by some outlets that the Nationals were interested in. Um, what, like, how could you not be? But, you know, I'm thinking all those guys probably cost more than $2 million plus $2 million in incentives for one season. Um, not all of those guys are left-handed bats. Not all those guys can play two positions like Dominic Smith do. So I, this... It, to me is it's not the best signing great like no offense to Dom Smith, but Nats fans aren't gonna go, you know, running to Nationals Park to watch Dom Smith bat every night. But I think for where this team is right now and the need they're looking for, and like you mentioned, Davy Martinez specifically 
mentioning a left-handed bat, this is the right signing for the, at the right time. Um, and hopefully he has a bounce back. Yeah, here. I mean, most of those bigger names you're not going to get, not only for just this price, but for that small amount of years. You're not going to get some of those guys on one-year deals. And if you do, and you're taking a risk, because the point of that would be to trade them at the deadline. And mm-hmm. the Nationals got burnt on overpaying Nelson Cruz last year. I think that's probably... <laughs> Maybe there's like was some consideration going after a bigger name with the hope to, you know, deal them at the deadline, but they got burned on that. So that has to be in the back of their minds, uh, you know, that they don't want to repeat that mistake. So this signing is completely makes sense. Low risk signings is what you're going to see or waiver claims or what, what, what. You yeah. And I think it's also interesting looking at Dom's like baseball reference page, like only 2021, he played a significant amount of games over the course of 162 game season. 145, he did hit 244 that year. Only managed 11 home runs and 58 RBIs. So, all right, maybe, but that's also the season he played mostly in left field. And oh, yeah. we, we talked about, you mentioned his defensive stats drop significantly when he plays left field versus first base. Offensively, he did as well. So, I wonder if getting that amount of playing time at his natural position of first base or DH every day helps his offensive production stay uh, more uh, at a higher level than than what we've seen over that st- over that season when he played a significant amount. And of time. you get two more seasons of control, right? You know, not for agent until after next season, right? Exactly. So I mean, and this is I mean, this is the fourth. Well, I guess he was technically the third uh, former first rounder that the Nationals have added to this roster. Um, this offseason. So those are the type of guys that, you know, were once highly ranked prospects or, you know, highly ranked draft prospects um, that, you know, have kind of struggled now or had struggled in 2022 and are hoping to bounce back. So that's exactly what you're going to see if they make any more signings this offseason. That same exact type of, you know, yeah. addition. This is the, like, replacement for for Luke Voigt. Uh, and and yep. you're getting it at, at max half the price. Yeah, he was, what, projected to make eight eight point two eight yeah. point three something like that? And you're getting at max four million to, to Dom Smith. Um, now it's interesting that Dom and Luke have both played parts of six seasons over their careers. Now Luke Voigt has been more successful over that time, um, a lot more homers, a better average, a way higher OPS. But he's also 31 years old. Dom is only 27, so he's a younger bat, younger guy. Plays better defense at first um, that you can put out there, and maybe even plays multiple positions if you need him in an emergency spot playing left field or, you know, even he has played right field, I believe a handful of times, not as, not as much as left, but he can play the corner outfield spots if you absolutely need him to. So, you know, you're getting a guy four years younger, like you said, with two more years of control. For like $6 million cheaper. Right. And at maybe even only $4 million, but still that's half the price or maybe a fraction of the price yeah. than, a, than a Luke Voigt. So this is your Luke Voigt replacement. The biggest difference there is that you feel a lot more comfortable playing Dom Smith at first base than you do Luke Voigt. Like yeah. I still, I stand by Brendan Mortensen, our producer will disagree with me, uh, but I stand by, you can't, you couldn't pay Luke Voigt $8 million mm-hmm. to be your, it be your DH. I mean, he can play, he could be your backup first baseman, which is what he would be, but that's too much for what you're getting at, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I, well, also I, I think like the way, Yes, but we don't have to go that. <laughs> We've had that conversation so many times about just like this team. And I understand that it's frustrating for fans to see like, why are we not spending money? Why are we not spending money? They I understand fans who say did. that. Right. They would look dumb if they um, and, and, you know, we haven't seen what Luke Voigt has gotten yet. So like maybe he doesn't get eight. Maybe he does. Maybe he gets more. Right. And it's like then the Nationals really can't put themselves in that position to do that. Um, but yeah, so Dom Smith is, is a safe bet, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a safe signing. It fills out the roster. It provides needs on multiple levels. Um, 
And, you know, maybe you're looking for a guy who just needed a new a change of pace because, like you said, he was blocked by Pete Alonso, Marcana, J.D. Davis. Like, a lot of those guys in New York were just blocking his way. He's going to be able to play every single day. And if he doesn't play well, that's okay because you're only paying him $2 million. $2 million. You're, that doesn't hurt you at all. Yeah. So, I like it. And him. you can cut ties with him next winter if you want or bring him back for 2024 exactly. and he's your first baseman for two seasons. Exactly. You can't really lose no. with this. No. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, I... I this is one of those because it was like it's like for those fans who are like asking for why didn't they sign this person? Why didn't they sign like a Trey Mancini? If Trey Mancini doesn't pan out here, then that sign looks bad, right? Right? Because you're probably giving Trey at least eight a million dollar. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he earned last year, so that's probably his base. Um, you know, he was traded at the deadline, helped the Astros win a World Series. Um, it's been a productive hitter over the last four years at least. Um, He'd be a good fit, right? In theory, but if he doesn't pan out, that looks bad. Dom Smith doesn't pan out, no harm, no foul. You just move on and go find another guy. and, and or, may, or maybe Joey Manessis becomes your permanent first baseman. Now, he's 30 years old already. We've had that conversation too, but you get my point. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big news. Something big news. we could we would get to talk to, talk about because mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of weeks that uh, we don't have so much exciting news. Right. Um, and the other big news that came over the holidays was claiming Jeter Downs uh, from the Red Sox off of waivers. Once a top 50 prospect struggled a little bit the farther he moved up in the minors, uh, struggled in his short stint in the major leagues. But this is another low risk but could be a very high reward for the Nationals. Yeah, you probably recognize that name because he's been included in multiple trades since he is coming. He's been the top prospect included in multiple trades back in 2018, almost to the day that he was claimed by the Nationals. He was traded um, with now Nationals teammate Josiah Gray and Homer Bailey from the Reds to the Dodgers in exchange for Kyle Farmer, Matt Camp, Yasiel Puig, and Alex Wood. Mm -hmm. And then just 18 months, no, 14 months later, he was included in that package with Alex Verdugo and Connor Wong that went to the Red Sox exchange for Mookie Betts and David Price, one of the, at the time, one of the biggest trades in, in the, the sport has seen. Um, and he was the top, one of the top prospects in both of those trades. Yep. Now he didn't pan out in Boston and that's, you know, that's a Red Sox failure right there. But this is a guy that's been a top shortstop prospect for multiple years. If you look back at MLB Pipeline's, uh, I believe, 2020 top shortstop prospects, the Nationals now have three of those guys. And yeah. you can say all you want about Abrams. Carter Keeboom, but he was included in that, C.J. Abrams and now Jeter Downs. So you're at like this is the kind of move that we say all the time that the Nationals need to be doing, maybe more so than the Dom Smith, just because Dom Smith is just filling out a roster spot. But Jeter Downs is one that could – I'm not saying he's going to be the guy of the future, but you're adding a high ceiling young talent at a low cost um, and, and seeing maybe he maybe he can figure it out here. Right, exactly. You're adding infield depth in this organization that the Nationals haven't had for a long time. Part of that, of course, is because they're just now launching this rebuild. They're just now replenishing their farm system. Uh, so, of course, they didn't have a lot of highly ranked, um, you know, infield prospects or prospects across the board for a while. Um, and then the other half of that is that the way they draft. I mean, we know yeah. that they haven't in the past years taken a lot of um, highly touted infield talent because they took pitchers in the first rounds for, you know, close to a decade. So that's the other part of that. Um, but there's nobody projected to make in the system projected to make their debut before 2024 <laughs> in yep. the infield right now. So to add to that, add infield depth, in this organization is important for the Nationals right now. Downs enters the Nats farm as the 29th ranked prospect per MLB pipeline. And now of the five infield prospects listed in the Nats top 30, he's the only one with experience above high single A. 
Um, mm-hmm. Shortstops, Brady House, who's number five. Armando Cruz is number 11. And third baseman, Trey Lincecum, number 18. And Sammy Infante, number 30, have only reached low single A Fredericksburg. Um, and Downs has had really good success at double A. Not so much at triple A, but at double A, he's been, he's been. So he provides that depth at the upper minor league level. Yep. Um, and, and is maybe in the fringe major leaguer. Now, I, I mentioned when I wrote about it a couple weeks ago when the Nationals claimed him that he would provide some competition for CJ mm-hmm. Abrams in camp because he is on the major league roster, so he will be going to spring training. But I'm not saying that he's going to be the opening day starting shortstop. I'm just saying that Mike Rizzo likes competition. competition These are right. two top prospects. Well, in Downs' case, a former top prospect playing a high-value position. You know, you can't – I guess you could just walk in with CJ Abrams being like, I'm the shortstop. But you would rather someone, you know – Lighting a exactly. fire underneath his butt behind him and saying like, hey, there's someone waiting to take your spot if you don't play up to, to the level that we expect you to play. Right, exactly. And that's that's what you want to see. I think it'll be interesting to see if he's able to improve at the plate with the Nationals. We know they don't have the best track record with their player development team, um, but you never know. It could be a change of pace. I mean, he did get traded to the Red Sox uh, before the COVID season, so he missed all of 2020. That's really bad timing. Yeah. Um, so maybe that you know, put a stent in his development and maybe just needs a change of scenery to, to get things going. But his defense has significantly improved um, through the years. He's The speed is there. It's just the swing and miss rate and his struggles at the plate. Yeah, I, and I wonder if you mentioned that 2020 season, of course, all minor leaguers missed due to the pandemic. And I wonder if Jeter Downs was a victim of being rushed by the Red Sox because of who How he highly was. And, was ranked. Yeah, and, and who they traded him traded for to acquire him, right. right? Mookie Betts and David Price to a lesser extent, but still, um, you know, a recognizable name. Um, after missing the 2020 season at AAA in Red Sox's system, um, he that's two years removed from playing in the major, um, in any level of minor leagues. Uh, he played 12 games at AA in the Dodgers farm. He, over 180 games in two seasons at AAA, he slashed just 193, 292, 368 for a 661 OPS. He Now, he did hit 30 home runs with 20 doubles, so he flashed some power, but those numbers weren't very good for a top prospect at the AAA level. But you go back all the way back to 2019, and he didn't play at AA in the, in the Red Sox system. I think they only went back and forth between AAA and the major leagues. Um, he was a 269 hitter with an 862 OPS, 33 doubles, four triples, 19 homers, 75 RBIs, and 23 stolen bases um, in high A. And then at Double A, Tulsa in the Dodgers system, he hit 333 with an 1116 OPS, uh, five homers, 11 RBIs, um, and six walks to 10 strikeouts. So he performed better at Double A in a short amount of time, but and also now at this point, three years ago. Than he did at AAA because I think the Red Sox might have, and of course the COVID season too, but might have rushed him between the AAA level, maybe when he maybe wasn't completely ready, and then also the major league level this past season. Right. I mean, the Red Sox at this point didn't value him highly enough. Still, you know that they were willing to keep him, um, and they exposed him to waivers. And but the Nationals, I mean, it's he's young. It's not like it's you know this is it, you know, make it or break it time for him yet. He's still young. Um, He still has two minor league options left. So it's not like the Nationals are stuck with him. He can very well spend time in AAA um, as they, you know, try to continue his development. Yeah, we mentioned his, uh, the the lack of experience at the upper level. I mean, I would expect, if not Rochester, then Harrisburg at at Mm -hmm. the lowest for for him to start this season. Of course, knock on wood, barring any injuries to CJ Abrams or Luis Garcia. We haven't even talked about the fact that now, 
Jeter Downs projects more to be a second baseman than a shortstop. Right. Um, and, you know, him being a shortstop was why he was valued so much in all these trades and, and why he was ranked as such a top prospect. Second baseman don't get that much value in terms of rankings like that. But, you know, his athleticism, he doesn't have a, the strongest arm. He does project to be a little more of a better second baseman than shortstop. So, you know, looking across the board, he probably fits better at Rochester or or, Har- or at the very least Harrisburg starting mm-hmm. the season. And then you have a guy who can immediately step in um, and perform well enough, you know, for what this national team is going to be at the major league level if, God forbid, something happened to C.J. Abrams or Luis Garcia. Right. I mean, there's no other way. Waiver claims the best way to get this type of talent or the potential for this type of talent, um, you know, at the price that they will. There's right. there's no risk in it, you yeah. know. Um, and to add infield depth, they also, you know, signed Michael Chavis to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. That's another guy that can provide a little bit of depth and you're not stuck with them. You right. know, they don't make it. If, if Jeter Downs never pans out to be what he was projected to be, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and and we talked about this all the time because the Nationals, you know, for all the flack that they get for a poor farm system that they're trying to rebuild right mm-hmm. now, all of their top talents are at the lower levels. I just talked about, you know, Brady House. Think about Elijah Green hasn't even made it to Fredericksburg yet. Um, you know, some of their other top draft picks just this past year only made it that far. So all their top talents are, you know, you're not going to bring up Brady House this year, you know, in May if – C.J. Abrams, you know, has to go on the 10-day IL for whatever reason. You know, it's just they're too far away. You mentioned all of them. They're not projected to make it to the majors for another two seasons. So this is a guy that provides that, you know. Right now, yeah. Right now, back up at the upper levels. And, you know, I would hope that he starts at the minor league level and then just continue to develop. And maybe he performs really well and develops in that. And then that's just more depth. And then maybe he's another trade piece. Whatever it may be. It's just a, a very easy safe way to go about it and to make room on the roster they designated Brie Garrett for assignment. I mean, it was the guy that we thought that was kind of on the fringe of the roster anyways. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I mean, and, and it makes sense that some of the Nationals' best infield talent is in low A or, yeah. you know, high A at, at the most because, you know, we're just starting this rebuild. Right. You know, they didn't have those highly ranked prospects at AAA on the brink of making their major league debut because they didn't have to. Right. Um, but now we're going to see them filter through the system, and that's why rebuilds take a few years mm-hmm. uh, because you get that talent. Hopefully they draft that talent, um, and it's going to take a few years for them to develop, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, and we okay. And we knew their depth was in pitching and now the outfield with guys like James Wood, um, Robert Hassel III, and, of course, Elijah Green further along, but still their depth – um, is in the outfield and in pitching right now. Um, and catching, I guess, they don't really need it right now at the major league level, but they do have some depth right there. It was more the infield. Like, we always said, you know, you know, aside from Cesar Hernandez and Michael, you know, if something happened, who's going to step? Because they don't have anybody. Right. And then now they do. And I know it's just one guy, but Jeter Downs is, again, a recognizable name, a former top prospect that has, made his, has gotten his feet wet in the majors. You mentioned not performed great, but has been there, done that, so can possibly come back and, and do it again. Right, because we've had podcasts where it's like, if somebody gets hurt here, yeah. I don't, who are they going to bring up? They, they they have nobody to bring up. Right. Nobody's that close. So now at least you have somebody, it probably makes you feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, even if he's hitting, you know, whatever, 190-something, you still know you have that guy there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that's good. Organizational so, depth. And th- this was a name when the Red Sox – uh, designated him for assignment, I think, just the week prior. I mean, it I kind of caught my eye. One, obviously, because you recognize the name of who he's been as a top prospect. Oh, yeah. But two, it's like, 
why not take a chance? I mean, and the Nationals are the number one team on the waiver order, so like right. they have to, he has to pass through them first before anyone else. So you get first dibs, and I, I thought it was. I'm glad they made the move because I mm-hmm. thought it would be interesting to see if they were going to try it out, and they seem like it was definitely worth. It. And it's a guy that they've has come through. You know, look, they just traded for. Josiah Gray, Caber Ruiz, all those guys from the he was in the Dodgers system. This, yeah, so funny. like they under you know they probably have had good reports from um, some scouts over in the Dodgers when they he was with them, just like they did with Josiah Gray. You True. know maybe they even looked into trading for him. I guess that was way after he got traded to the Red Sox, but maybe he's even come up before um, impossible trades. You know maybe he was mentioned when the Nationals shipped up Kyle Schwarber to ball. Who, who knows? So they must have had some solid report on him to feel comfortable enough to make this waiver claim, clear a roster spot for him, and bring him into the organization. Right. I mean, and that I feel comfortable because it's not make it or break it time yet for, right. for him. You know what I mean? It was like getting close to that with Carter key boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I don't think you're there yet with Jeter downs. And I like that. He's another young guy. I mean, we've seen that you, now you have your core and, and Luis Garcia and CJ Abrams up the middle and you caber Ruiz. Um, and he kind of adds potentially to that list of mm-hmm. young guys that could be a core if he's able to, you know, improve offensively. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the control. So, it's it's a it's a solid move mm-hmm. for some death pieces and and we're, we're happy to see the Nationals make those kind of moves right now and uh, you know I, this is kind of probably what we're gonna see more of I, and I I don't mean to say like okay Jeter down solidifies this roster right now because I think we both agree he's probably gonna start in the minors right. but Dom Smith now um, you know I think we might be getting close to the end of major league contracts being handed out by the Nationals at least until spring training starts, right? I think from now on, we'll probably see other waiver claims or minor, minor league, league deals with invites to spring training, right? Because what other spots on this roster now do you see the absolute? I, I think the, the glaring one is probably left field. Yeah. I don't think you want to go into the spring training with uh, Alex Call being your starting left fielder. No offense to Alex Call or Stone Garrett. Um, you probably need to go find and then figure out the combination of first Joey. base DH and left field with Joey, uh, now Dominic, and then whoever else you add. Yeah, right? I mean, if rotation maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, I think you kind of have to go out and get a left fielder. Yeah, unless your plan is to move Joey Manassas out there, but, but then you need DH. But then you need a DH. So and then Riley Adams. I think I think you have to go out and get a left fielder. Yeah. Um, just like we mentioned, it's not going to be a big name, but somebody that you feel comfortable with, more comfortable than you do in Alex Call or Stone Garrett. Do you, you add? The, I mean, I know they added Trevor Williams already, so you've got. I don't think they're, you're going to see any more. I mean, not even for competition. Pitching. I don't because think. He, I mean, yeah, because I guess you'll have Paulo Espino, you know, battling for another <laughs> rotation spot. I mean, no, seriously, like, yeah. I mean, bullpen we talked about multiple times is, is pretty much set. I mean, if another guy becomes available or, right. you know, prices start to drop, market, whatever, they maybe take a shot on someone and, and see if they can admit, admit. But, like, again, that seems like a minor league deal with an invite to spring training and earn your way onto the squad. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of minor league deals with invites to spring training to provide some competition, you know, potentially make this roster. Michael Chavis was one of those guys, another versatile player uh, that can play multiple positions across the infield. He can play outfield as well. Um, those are the types of guys that, sh- that you're going to see, just not just to provide competition, but really have a shot at making this roster. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that we're on the fourth day of the year and we're because this is just not a place that we're i mean especially with covid lockout you know this is just not 
we're not used to seeing like yeah. the, the roster being filled out on January 4th and then like not expecting any other moves. I mean, maybe the couple of those, like um, those winning seasons where we're like, all right, they'll just like fill out the bullpen somehow. Well, you know, they'll sign a backup outfield or whatever, but you know, this yeah, is I, pretty I, much it. Right. And I think what's encouraging is it's, it's difficult for fans to like grab onto tangible things to see that they're mm -hmm. making progress in this rebuild. Um, you know, the record didn't show it. So it, it's hard to like, you know, find moments of, you know, hope, uh, in this rebuild. But one of them is that you're going into this season with Luis Garcia, you know, a piece of the future as your, your starting second baseman, CJ Abrams, a big piece of the future at shortstop where that wasn't necessarily the case last season right. you know we're talking about Michael Franco we're talking about Odomar Vargas we're talking about you know what I mean Cesar Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a little bit more encouraging that you know opening day you're seeing you know a good chunk of the future in this lineup right yeah and, and you know not to mention like the, with the need about left-handed bat I forgot to mention this earlier but remember Yadiel Hernandez isn't on this roster right now I right. mean he was sent down to AAA I mean cleared waivers and now is on Rochester's roster so I'm sure he'll obviously get an invite to spring training maybe works his way on as a backup but like as it currently stands Dom Smith is your left-handed <laughs> they bat. needed a left-handed bat right <laughs> um so I know uh CJ is a left-handed bat Louis is a left-handed bat but those aren't your power bats right now um and Caber is a switch hitter maybe a little better from the left-handed side but uh, yeah, you needed right. a left-handed bat because everyone else is pretty much right-handed. Um, how much is that? I mean, w when you were looking at the roster right now, we have your left-handed bat that plays first base, DH, left. Like, how much does it matter to you now if this left fielder, let's say they go sign a left fielder, left-handed, right-handed, does it matter? It no. At this point? Mm -mm. Be because Dom because is left? Dom Smith. Yeah. I think if they didn't, if this was a, if this was a right-handed, yeah, then then you you would definitely have to go out and get a left-handed power bat. Uh, but they kind of got that, so no, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I don't think that's you know a top on their priority. priority. Yeah. yeah, just like just fill the spot, just fill the yeah. spot. Probably just you know play good defense. Really would be because you're now expecting your offense to come through Abrams, Garcia, Smith, Manessis, Ruiz. Right. <laughs> I mean that's that's your probably your five biggest bats. I mean. Maybe not Abrams. Maybe that that's too much pressure to start. Maybe Lane Thomas instead. Yeah, yeah Lane Thomas. So you're maybe not expecting your left field, but you need your left fielder to I play. See, yeah, I defense. still think you have to go out and get a good defensive left fielder. Yeah. I just don't think you feel comfortable with where this stands right now. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. It's pretty crazy that now we're into the new year. Spring training is a month and a half away, and uh, they'll be down in West Palm Beach. And it feels like spring training outside today. We'll start. It does. It this does. This warm it weather, I just warm. like the. The air smells like baseball. I'm like, it should be coming. But it's well, a week still ago, it was below 20 degrees. I know. It was freezing on Christmas Eve. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yes. It yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole week, there were like three days that yeah. were like freezing. You're right. The, the and now it's spring. Right after our, our last pot of the year, yeah. it, it got freezing. Oh, that here. was miserable. Yeah. It did not oh. feel like baseball season. No. Uh, but now it does. Now that's why I'm wearing a, that's why we're wearing polos today. It's like warm in here. Perfect opportunity. Um, all right. Well, Thank you, the Nationals, for providing some news yeah. <laughs> uh, updates. Um, you know, that clears up pod for us for the week. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in and listening and, of course, watching on Mass and Nationals' Facebook page and YouTube channel, of course. Check us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, at Mass and Nationals, across the board on social media, at Amy Jennings News for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. 
Be sure to hit subscribe, like, comment along. We love to hear your comments. Maybe we'll do, uh, I saw the O's Bros did a mailbag episode it today. It was good. Yeah, maybe if it. we get enough comments and questions on, um, on all the various platforms, we can provide an episode of that too. We'll be back again, like I said, next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, we're brought to you by Toyota for legendary safety and reliability. Choose Toyota and let's go places. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. 